0: Welcome to the Rhodes Church podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. The title of the message today is After God's Heart. After God's Heart. So here at the Rhodes Church we get excited about the Bible because we believe it is the way, the truth, and the life. And uh, so every time we open it up, we get a little pumped. So if you got your Bibles, E. Rhodes Family, Mount Carmel, everybody watching here in the room, North City, let's give it up for Jesus as we open to 1 Samuel chapter 13. <laughs> Woo! 1 Samuel 13, After God's Heart. Sermon notes are available there in your worship guide and on the YouVersion Bible app if you use that. takers are world changers. 1 Samuel chapter 13 I'm just going to go ahead and read, I believe, in verse 1. Start reading through this. It says, Saul reigned for one year, and when he had reigned two years over Israel, Saul chose for himself 3,000 men of Israel. 2,000 were with Saul in Michmash, pattywack, give a dog a bone, and in the mountains of Bethel. (laughs) I did that in the first service, and it was totally impromptu. This one, I definitely did it because of that. But anyway, and in the mountains of Bethel, and 1,000 were (laughs) Uh, Just read, Chad, just read, no need for narrative. And thousand were with Jonathan in Gibeah of Benjamin. The rest of the people he sent away, every man to his tent. And Jonathan attacked the garrison of the Philistines that was in Gibeah. And the Philistines heard of it. Then Saul blew the trumpet throughout, throughout all the land, saying, let the Hebrews hear. Now all Israel heard it. And said that Saul had attacked a garrison of Philistines, and that Israel had also become an abomination to the Philistines, and the people were called together to Saul at Gilgal. Then the Philistines gathered together to fight with Israel, 30,000 cherished. Now let me clarify, I didn't clarify this in the first service, and I want to do it now. That says 30,000, but everything that I studied believed that that's a misinterpretation of the Hebrew number, that it actually should be 3,000. Samuel is writing a little evangelistically. No, actually, Samuel wrote it right, just New King James. They, they translate as 30, but I'm going to use 3,000 for the sake of today. You can study it out for yourself and see if you believe it's 30. But uh, 3,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude. How many knows that's a lot of people? And they came up and encamped in Micmash to the east. I just like saying that word. They camped in Micmash to the east of Beth-Avon. When the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, for the people were distressed, they did what any good, honorable warrior would do. They hid in caves and thickets and rocks and holes and in pits. And and some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. They left the country. Instead of fighting, they're like, we're out of here. So as for Saul, he was still in Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. That he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. What it means the time set by Samuel is if you look back in 1 Samuel chapter 10, just explain it now. Samuel said, before you go to battle, Saul, I want you to wait. I will come to you within seven days, and I will offer the sacrifices to God. I will offer the peace offerings, the burnt offerings. I will do that, and I will tell you what the Lord is telling you to do. Back then in the Old Testament, God spoke to the prophets, and the prophets told the kings what to do. It would be great if kings today would listen to the prophets and prophetesses of God. So anyway, they, they told the, he, the, God spoke to the prophet, and the prophet told the king what to do. And he said, wait, I will be with you within seven days. So that is the same thing that he was given here. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, bring a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. No, no, that's not good. Now, it happened as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering that Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. And Samuel said, what have you done? And Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattered from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and that the Philistines were gathered together in Micmash, then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandments of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, for now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. It was God's intent for Saul's kingdom to last forever. Some people have written it off sometimes, say, well, Saul wasn't really God's choice, so he wasn't destined to go from the very beginning. No, Saul could have agreed with the heart of God, and his kingdom could have lasted forever. But because he did not, then God said, I'm going to move on to another person. I just insert this parenthetically for you and I to understand that you and I have a part to play in whether God's plan for our life is fulfilled. We have to agree with that. We have to work with God. It's not just, well, whatever God wants to do, he'll do. No, that theology will take you in a wrong direction. It will make lazy people that will not experience everything that God has for them. We have to partner with heaven for it to come to pass in our life. The only reason I say that is because a lot of times people get caught in this entitlement program of theology of just, you know what, well, whatever God wants to do, that's what's going to happen. That is not true don't receive that. I'm I'm saying that a little firm, but I believe it with all of my heart. He said right here, Saul, your kingdom could have lasted forever, but because you didn't obey and do what I told you to do, I'm going to move on. So now he says, but now your kingdom shall not continue. Verse 14, the Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. All right, so here's what I want to talk about today after God's heart. It says there that God was searching for himself or sought for himself a man after his own heart. It's Father's Day, so I believe God's looking for a man. But to be inclusive, we won't let the ladies in on it. We don't want you to be excluded because God is looking for you too. So God, I'm going to say today, God is looking for a person after his own heart. He's looking for a certain type of person after his own heart. So if God's looking for a certain person that's after his own heart, I was thinking, well, what kind of person is that? What kind of person are you looking for? I want to, and I'm sure you do too, we want to qualify under that category of who he's looking for. He's not looking for everybody. He says he sought for himself a person, a specific type of person, a person that is after his heart. So how do I become a person after his heart that he can search for me, right? Here's what I found in this story. I found three things that Saul Saul did that disqualified him from being a man after God's heart. I found them right here in verse 11. Let's take a look at it. All this took place and Saul gives these three reasons or excuses why he disobeyed Samuel's instructions or God's instructions. And what disqualified him from being a man after God's heart? Notice what it says at the end of verse 12. He said, Because he did all these things, though he said he felt compelled, and you're gonna see this theme throughout all of it, he felt forced by pressure or necessity. So here's the pattern Saul was called by God to do something, but he disobeyed God because he felt pressure. He felt necessity, so he took matters into his own hands, and let's see what it, what, uh, what it looks like. I'm going to give you three eyes today, because it deals with I is about me, and a person after God's heart is not a person after our own heart. So all three eyes are dealing with me. The problem is when I make me the focal point, God is no longer the focal point. So he said three things, all right? Here's the first one. He said, when I saw, verse 11, here's, here's the reason why I did that. You know, when Samuel showed up, said, uh, you know, uh, what have you done? And he said, well, 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 well uh, what, what had happened was when I saw with his eyes, when I saw that the people were scattered from me, the first eye that we have to deal with to be a person after God's heart, we have to deal with insecurity. Saul said, the reason I did it 'cause everybody was scattering from me. That word scattered just means to dash in pieces to break. Here's what insecurity deals with. It's when the approval of others determines our actions and behaviors. Saul said, "I would have obeyed, but they scattered from me, scattered from me." So the approval He's feeding off the approval and the support of others. And when the approval and support of others wasn't there to prop him up, all of a sudden he began to disobey God. So the insecurity was, I need other people supporting me and approving me for me to stay the course and obey God. To be after God's heart means I don't need the approval of everyone. I need the approval of the one. I can't be after God's heart and after their approval at the same time. And somewhere along the line, you're going to have to draw a line in the sand and say, I don't care what they think, I care what he thinks. To be secure in him. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 33 says this, But whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be, say the next word, secure without fear of evil. Whoever listens to me... So if I'm gonna be secure, I gotta to listen to him and not listen to them. I can't wait for their posts, their likes. See, remember he said they were scattered from him? Even back then they were, they were concerned about followers. How many followers do I have? How many likes did I get on that picture? How many, how many comments did I get? Oh, I just want to see all the comments. I posted a, uh, something for a birthday for one of my daughters, and man, my phone's just blowing up with notification. The dopamine's just going crazy in my mind. But how much of that is real that we find ourselves living for the approval of others and we get insecure when we don't get it? God's asking us to be secure, to be after his heart and not after their hearts. Not after your friend's hearts. You're not after your friend's approval. You're not after the support of everybody to go, go King Saul, you the man. They're bailing on him. They've left the country. How many of us, you might feel a little insecure. All my army, my whole supporters, they're gone. It's just me and this little posse with me and they're trembling in fear it's not a great support group so this is what we got to realize in our life we want to be secure Saul said the people the people bailed on me and that compelled me to do it insecurity blames everyone else for their actions and behaviors it's the people what did Adam say to God it's that woman you gave me that's why I ate blame her what did Eve say? Well, it was the serpent. A secure person after God's heart says, "It's me, it's me, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer." Not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord. You're like, "What is that? That's a song from a long, long time ago <laughs> in a land far away." Right? So, security is realizing I got to own my own junk. Step up to the plate and take responsibility. Acts chapter, Acts chapter 5, verse 29, but Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. S- Saul was insecure. He needed everybody's approval, and that was the first thing. He said, you are not after my heart. You are after the people's support, so that's going to be disqualifying. Number two, let's look at the second thing I found. So he said, when I saw the people were scattered from me, and, this is a good one, and that you did not come within the days appointed. So he turns to Samuel and <laughs> said, Why did I disobey? Because you didn't come when you were supposed to. Right? You didn't come within the appointed time, the seven days. You're supposed to be here. This I deals with impatience. There's a strong word. This means the amount of time passing determines the amount of faithfulness. This point deals with, in our life, when the amount of time passing determines my amount of faithfulness. I'm faithful on day one, when God first promised. You know, Saul's there, hey, I see uh, people are scattered. That's not good. Okay, that's, and uh, this army's showing up out there. The Philistines are here, they're pretty mad. But Samuel's coming. And when Samuel's coming, that's the same as saying God's coming. And when Samuel comes, he's going to pray and everything's going to be all right. So day one, he said, don't worry, people. All you trembling people behind me, Samuel's coming. Day two, he has to get up and give the same speech. Don't worry. Samuel's coming. I am faithful. God will provide an answer. Yes. Day three. Day four. Day five. Anybody with me? Day six. Has anybody other than me ever given God an appointed time to show up and do something and he didn't do it within your time frame? Day seven, Saul says, all right, it's the seventh day. But Samuel said, I got to come anytime within the seven days. But he gave up somewhere in the middle of the seventh day. Saul loses his patience and said, bring me the sacrifices. I'll do it myself. How many of you have ever had this temptation when God didn't move when you wanted to, you didn't get an answer, you didn't get a a solution in your mind, God didn't answer your prayer in the time frame you wanted to, you decide to put your hands on it yourself and you would take care of it. Well, if God's not going to show up, I'll handle it myself. How'd that work out for you? Same way it worked out for Abraham and Sarah. Hey, I promise you, I'm going to bring you a child. Tick tock, tick tock. Not the app, but the time. Hey, Sarah says, yo, Abram, I, I, know, I know God's faithful, but hey, just in case, here's Hagar. Come, to, come. maybe you take it. How many times do we do that? You don't come within the appointed time and we make matters worse because we jump on, try to do it ourselves. A person after God's heart We have to be willing to wait all the way until the end. Here's what Matthew 24, 13 says. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. He who endures to the what? He who endures to the what? That word endures means to hold up and to persevere. Endures till the end. We got to realize God's end is different than our end. Has anybody else figured that out yet? My end is probably this afternoon. God's end may be two or three weeks from now, could be two or three years from now. God is never, ever late, but he's not going to come on my timetable. So we don't set appointed times. So be careful when you pray after God's heart, don't pray to God, God, I'm believing you and trusting you as long as it happens by Friday. Because your faithfulness to God will be tempted or sorry, tested by time. Am I going to endure to the end or am I only enduring till my time boundaries are surpassed? God says, if you're after my heart, you wait on me. You wait on me as long as it takes because look what happened in verse 10. As soon as he finished, who showed up? Samuel. If you just wait a little bit longer, wait a little bit longer. How many of you felt times in your life, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many times you felt like giving up only to see god move in an instant. you're like i was i was ready to bail ready to give up ready to quit and then all of a sudden bam god moved in my life he says don't give up too early hebrews chapter 10 says this therefore do not cast away your confidence which has great reward for you have need of endurance come on the body of christ needs some endurance We need some endurance so that after you have done the will of God, not after you have had a certain amount of time go by, but after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. He's telling me, Chad, hey, you've got to just keep doing the will of God. Keep doing the will of God. Don't put time constraints on me. Don't put boundaries on me. Just keep being faithful, being committed. Keep serving me. Keep loving me. I will take care of the promise. You take care of your endurance. Stay in there, stay in the game. This is what he's telling. Don't be impatient. It cost Saul. He wasn't a person after God's heart because he was not patient. Let me go to the third one. So we got insecure, we've got impatient. What's the third one? You didn't come within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered together in Mikmash. The Philistines gathered together. Here's the third I insecurity impatient. The third one the enemy will use is intimidation. Intimidation. Intimidation deals with this. It is when a, the level of opposition determines the level of courage. So in other words, when the opposition is big, our courage gets small. They looked out and they had 3,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, And soldiers, as many as the sand of the sea. How many knows that would be a little bit intimidating? But our courage should never be tied to the level of our opposition. Our courage should always be tied to the word we've heard from God. We have to have our courage tied to what God has said in our life. Because, I want to tell you this, and it may not sound like encouragement, but it really is. Do not be shocked. See, because Saul was wanting to. God's will was for the Israelites to be free from the Philistines. The Philistines were ruling over them. And God wanted them to be free. So they were in bondage. And so Saul comes up and he says, you know what? I'm king. It's time to flex. So he sends his son Jonathan to take out this military outpost and so his son with his thousand men, they take that one little outpost. Well, when the enemy hears that one of its outposts has been taken, then it shows up to defend its territory. How many ever experienced when you make a step towards Jesus to try and break free in an area, it can seem like at times that all hell breaks loose against you. Why is that? The enemy does not like giving up territory. But here's the good news to you and I. We aren't asking him if it's okay. We're taking the ground by force. So we have to live a life where we say, wait a minute. If God be for us, who can be against us? So when he comes and says, who do you think you are trying to gain ground and trying to get freedom in this area of your life? Oh, no, no, no. You got to say, listen, devil, that's just the beginning. I'm not only getting freedom in that area of my life, but I'm getting it all back. Everything that Jesus died to give me, that's what I'm taking back. The the enemy will try and intimidate you and I and get us to back up off a declaration of faith. The moment you and I step into something, say, I'm gonna believe God in this area. Get ready, ding, 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 ding. The enemy hears that too. And his only hope is to get you and I talked out of our stance. He can't stop you. He can only hope that you and I will stop what we're believing for and disqualify ourselves. It's going to come. And this happens. And sometimes people get discouraged. It's like, man, Chad, every time I try to get right with God, it seems like things get worse. I know. Because the enemy smells freedom. And he hates it. He doesn't want you to get free. He doesn't want you to have victory. So he's going to keep pelting you with information that says, hey, hey, if I'll just back up off of God, then maybe it won't be so bad. That's a lie, lie, liar, liar, pants on fire. He doesn't want you free. you got to keep coming, keep coming, and don't back down. Don't be intimidated because he's going to bring up all kinds of reasons why you need to back up and calm down. Relax a little bit. Keep standing there and keep trusting God. Said, I'm taking all this. I'm taking that. Yeah, you're going to fight. You're going to bring your soldiers. You're going to bring your horsemen. You're going to bring your chariots. That's okay. I got big guy on my side. It's us against all of you. Thank you, Jesus. A person after God's heart will not allow the actions of the enemy to control theirs. Look what it says in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Have I not commanded you? This is when he told him we're going into the promised land, right? Here's the promised land. It's for you. I've already given it to you. I've already given it to you. Have I not commanded you? Here's I commanded. Not suggestion, not good tip, but commanded you. Be strong and of good courage. I'm not pausing for any other reason other than emphasis. I've commanded you to be strong. I've commanded you to have good courage. I've commanded you. Be strong. Be strong. Have good courage. This is the same wording in the Hebrew whenever God looked on the darkness and said, let there be light. Be strong. Not catching it yet. That's all right. That's right. When, When he said, let there be light, or better translated, light be. Yeah. Did light come? Yeah. When he says to you, be strong. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it's got to come a little bit. It's got to come down here. Uh, right here, it's just like, uh, But when it gets here, <laughs> it's like he says, be strong. Yeah. Be strong. That's him telling me. It's not him asking me. He's speaking it in me. He's saying, Chad, be strong. See it that way. Don't see it like a suggestion. Now, Chad, be strong. That's not, that's not how I see it. I'm seeing him telling me, Chad, be strong. Be of good courage. Be. Why? Because he's in me. He in me. So be strong of good courage. Why? Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. Why? For the Lord your God is... The glory of God is with you wherever you go. So number three, don't be intimidated. Don't be intimidated. The intimidation comes to us all. Please don't feel any condemnation like I'm up here preaching like this never happened. I've had to battle through these three things this morning. This morning. First service. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm just in, laying it out. I'm, I'm, wondering, I'm wondering what happened after. Oh, Jesus. when he does this. My plan after the end of the first service was to go back behind there and go find a room and lay on the floor and hide. And I said, Lord, what's going on? He said, what did you just preach? Don't be insecure. Don't be impatient. And don't be intimidated. Everything that you said, I want you to walk out right now. so I'm not saying that to say you won't have to deal with it God's just telling us how to deal with it that when the enemy comes and I'm telling you he will come that we will say I will be secure in Jesus and I will not be propped up by the approval of people I will not be propped up by what other people say about me or don't say about me or who likes me and who doesn't like me I will not be propped up by that I will be propped up by him I will not be impatient. I will wait. I will wait until the end. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. I don't care how much time has gone by. You are faithful, Lord. I am going to stick this out with you. We'll ride this pony all the way to the end. (laughs) And then not be intimidated. Let Let me finish this last one. I, I got to after that horse thing. We got to move on. Verse 14. <laughs> Verse 14. Look at this. This is what Jesus says to you and I. It's what Samuel said to him. But I love this. But now your kingdom shall not continue. Here's what I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying to me Chad, when you're after my heart. Your kingdom doesn't continue. (laughs) It's not about you anymore. Your kingdom can't continue if your heart's after me. After God's heart. (laughs) I'm going to go Your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself... A man or a woman, I'm just gonna say person. The Lord has sought for Himself a person after His own heart. The Lord has sought, that word sought means to search for, to look for, to diligently seek after for Himself a man or a woman, a person after. He's searching for a certain type of person is what I see in this sentence. The Lord has sought for himself a person. What type of person is he searching for? I'm searching for a person after my heart. I'm searching for a person After my heart, a certain type of person, a certain type of man, a certain type of woman, one who is after his heart. We might pray something like this. Lord, give me a heart after you. God says, no, no, that's 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 not how it works. I'm looking for someone whose heart is after me. They're already chasing after me. They're coming for me. They're hungry. I'm looking for a person whose heart is after my heart. When he's looking for a person to replace Saul, he said, I'm, a, I'm going to look for a certain type of person. I'm not looking for a person that I can zap and make them come after me. I'm going to look around until I find one that's already looking. Scripture prove it. Let me give you 2 Chronicles Chapter 16. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those who, which ones, whose heart is loyal to him. Acts 13, And when he had removed him, speaking of Saul, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, listen to this wording, I have found David, the son of Jesse, A man after my own heart who will do all my will. He said, I have sought for myself a man after my own heart, and I found David, a man after my own heart. Here's what I believe God wants to throw out today. He said, who is going to be after my heart? I'm looking for you. I'm looking for you, man, woman, boy, or girl. There's no gender specifics. There's no racial specifics. There's no age limit. It does not matter. God is looking for someone whose heart is after him. After God's heart, not after my own, not after my agenda, not after what I want. I want to be found after him. So when the eyes of the Lord go to and fro around the world, will his eyes fall on me and will I be found after him? Not will he look at me and say, Chad, I'm going to make you come after me. No, no, no. But when his eyes fall on you, do they fall on someone who's coming after him? Or do they fall on somebody who's after everything but Him? Only you and God know your hearts. Who are you after this morning? Are you after the things of God? Are you after the heart of God? Are you after what God wants to do with your life? Are you after His vision, His plan for your life? God's wanting to move. We, we, God's wanting to move in your life to, to touch people, to use what he's given you. Is your heart after his heart or is your heart after, you know what? You know, I love God, but I got this going and 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 this going. You know, I'm, I, I just don't have time for the things of God. Our heart after God is chasing after him. It's hungry for him. It's not insecure. It's not impatient. It's not intimidated. It's one that's going after him with everything that you have. So the call of God this morning, I believe, and I guess my prayer to him with you would be this, God, I want to be found by you. The Bible says he found David. Where did he find David? He found him playing some type of stringed instrument, writing worship songs to God, saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want He leads me beside the still waters. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He began to give him songs. He was singing songs to God. in the, in the, with the sheep all by himself, overlooked by his dad, overlooked by his brothers, insignificant. He was the youngest. Nobody knew who he was. Nobody knew his name. Nobody had his address. He didn't have any followers on Twitter. Nobody liked all of his pictures on Instagram. Nobody knew him. There was no deals for him, book deals. There was no promotion for him. Nobody knew him, but God still found him. What am I saying? You don't need people to find you. You need Jesus to find you. You don't need people to know who you are. You need him to know who you are. Wherever you're at in your life, say, will he find you with your heart after him? So I just asked the Lord, God, do an exam on my heart. Because I want to be found chasing after him.